When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more. Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Me, me and my friend drove to Chicago probably when we were 16 to go to the occult bookstore so we could get the satanic Bible. <laughs> oh, man. My wife got it for as a stocking stuffer for me this year. Or, I'm sorry, Santa did. Uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised you can't get Steve Turner because really? I think he's always been. Uh, I would expect him to be maybe a repeat of Steve, of Steve Albini. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, though, I was surprised by how well your Steve Albini interview went. Honestly, ah, I, I I was too. Actually, I knew he was a prickly guy. Yeah, he was funner than I expected him to be, and he was still kind of like, you know, terse. And, and that's funny to think about because I knew how Steve Albini was, I thought it went really well. Yeah, but people too. people who didn't know anything about him thought that it didn't go well. That's because they don't know how bad it could have gone. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. that's interesting. I mean the worst thing he did to you was like not laugh at a joke. Right. Whereas <laughs> I would have expected him to scold you or, you know, <laughs> who knows what. <laughs> you know? Um who you got in the Super Bowl? <laughs> who's playing <laughs> is it the Packers and the Chiefs because I, I only know because I heard you guys say that Aaron and Chris yeah. it's their teams is that who it is it is not it is the Buccaneers and uh in the Chiefs oh. uh uh yeah Tom Brady and the Buccaneers dashed Aaron Camaro's uh dreams oh. this year so <laughs> Uh, and I don't even, made mine. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> yeah, I didn't I, even pay attention. To, I, I to know that. I, it was kind of. A, <laughs> was just... I didn't even know Tom Brady was on the Buccaneers. So <laughs> uh, I'm actually impressed. You know who I, I said his name, and you didn't seem confused. So no, I know. I have seen Tom Brady in the news, where and I figured he wasn't on the Patriots anymore, but I didn't even pay enough attention to know he was on the Buccaneers. <laughs> right on. Well, do you, do you know? Do you know what city the Buccaneers play in? Yeah, Tampa Bay. All I know right, that. you're a little better than uh, than I probably well, yeah, before. My dad was a big sports guy, so I know I know plenty just because of that. Was he disappointed in you then? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Are you you're, you're the disappointing? Do you have any siblings? What? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, he's not disappointed anymore. <laughs> but yeah, there was a time in middle school when I had long hair and a jean jacket with, yeah. you know, buttons on it. And he was not happy. Yeah. <laughs> there, like seventh, eighth grade kind of time where it was pretty obvious that he wasn't too pleased yeah. with how things turned out. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, my wonderful father, uh, he, uh, he, uh, thankfully for me, didn't really have any sort of thing that he was super into. He didn't hunt, he didn't fish, he didn't watch sports. He just worked and took care of his family, and that was about it. Uh, he liked cars, I guess. I don't know. So, so really, I, I could go my own way. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he pretty much supported anything I did uh, as long as I wasn't committing crimes or doing drugs. Yeah. Which I did both. But, uh, <laughs> I got a summer job where my dad worked, and that's when we kind of got, you know, got became friends again. Uh. So it was only a couple of years there where I felt like he was like, what the fuck is up with this kid? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you don't know me, Dad. <clears throat> Yeah, we should make a movie about that. That uh, you know, those father-son rekindling movies are always uh, touching. Gets we could get that fucker on Lifetime, right? I don't not with my dad. Fuck every other word is fuck with my dad. So <laughs> Lifetime you know, to have an R. If we were going to make a realistic movie, when we wouldn't be able to have it on Lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's time that I introduce you. Uh, I'm speaking with uh, Brian BJ Cramp from the Rock and Roll Podcast. Let's touch on that real quick. Uh, do you have any status update there with uh, the when that will return? Will will you know you talked off mic about maybe reformatting the 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 show itself will you be will, will you keep the name or what's uh just give us the details here brian yeah i'm keeping the name but i'm gonna do it as kind of series of episodes now instead of just you know having a one-off episode every week and it's been since like august that i haven't even had any episodes yeah. so i probably don't have an audience anymore but hopefully <laughs> it's going to be in the same feed and everything when it comes back. So hopefully they'll still be there. Okay. It's just a matter of finding the time to put it together the way I want it to be. But I've done a ton of interviews for it. It's just, I so I have a lot of stuff to work with. It's just a matter of, of having the time to finish it up. Well, uh, we look forward to the return of your show once you. I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll we'll announce it on our show once we know it's back up and running too. We might as well announce it now. Your show will be back uh, on as of March first, right? <laughs> um, uh. possibly, but I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I really need a scoop, BJ. Well, welcome yeah. back to whatever. Never mind. You, of course, were on for the. Uh, it's almost a sister album for this thing, the Green River EP that we covered. Oh, way back. I can't remember what, what do you remember what number that was? Like twenty one or twenty two, something like that? Yeah, I don't remember. It, it was it was pretty early on. Um so a couple things are gonna be a little bit different for you here. One, you've kind of already answered the the, the block questions that I throw in between side one and side two with everybody. Yeah. Um and uh I, I kinda know your background. Well, coming in at number five on Rolling Stones uh greatest grunge albums of all time is the 1988 EP from Mudhoney's Super Fuzz Big Muff. This is uh, was recorded at Reciprocal Recording Studios in Seattle, Washington, produced by Jack Andino, former guest of the show, uh, released on Sub Pop Records. It says it came out on October 20th, 1988. And for those uh, scoring at home, that is my birthday. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the album cover, I, I have to admit, I love the album cover, uh, shot by, uh, what's that, uh, I got his name here somewhere, uh, Peterson is his last name. He does a, just a ton of the... Uh, um, Oh, that scene's uh, picture. I think he's even got a picture book out of like basically mm -hmm. uh, Seattle Grunge. Charles Peterson. There you go. Um, but uh, and then the thing is named after the 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 two guitar pedals. It is not a double entendre or a <laughs> uh, yeah. a euphemism. It is uh, there's two guitar pedals of uh, the Big Muff and the Super Fuzz. And I, I think uh, the Super Fuzz is something that. Uh, Steve Turner was using, and then he found out about the Big Muff, and he switched to the Big Muff, and then uh, at that point, Mark Arm basically became the guy who used the the Super Fuzz. As you know, when you're especially when you're a fledgling band, sharing things like that is a pretty big, you know, you know, it, it, it's pretty legit. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that's how I get these things. You know, the the the, the effects pedals were fairly expensive, especially those two. This is a record I never heard back in the day. Uh, I listened to it for the first time, probably at least in my knowledge. Right around the time I was interviewing Jack and Dino for this program, so not that long ago. And then, of course, I digested it a bit this week. For some reason, I, I understand that you, you've heard this record back in the day. 
Yeah, I had I had the tape that had the singles on it too. Um, that's what I had. So is, is that like the 1990 release? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So for and today, I we're, we're gonna, that. Uh, just real quick on that, I'll point out for the listener today we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna focus on the original release, but uh, I do have uh, some of the stuff on the uh, on that. Um, version you have that i wanted to touch on and any so any other tracks you wanted to get into too we'll we'll kind of treat that aside too but carry on i couldn't even have told you what the original release was because i just knew it from that you know sure so i didn't know which songs and i'm they're in different order on there also yeah than the, than the original release which they did the same thing with green river right they like flipped the sides yeah, i remember some, yeah. it, it was the same thing with green river but um yeah because i, I, I also, probably I listened to the Jack and Dino remix deluxe edition for in preparation for this show, just because I think he did a really good job with the Green River and uh, the Ultra Mega OK one. But yeah, I was listening to that on Spotify, that version I think. Okay. And but um, I probably bought that in like '92. Did you have exclusive company in Minneapolis too? Or was that just like a Wisconsin thing? Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, so I'm thinking that must be a, a Scotty deal. Yeah, that was the record store. Like, they would just, they just had like a, a plastic case where the tapes would be in, where they would have to get the tape for you, you know, so you couldn't steal them, because there was actually a time where somebody oh, yeah. would steal a cassette tape. But yeah, I remember going there, and I, I'm sure I we talked about this basically the same thing on the Green River episode, but it was just, you know, going from Pearl Jam to. Green River to Mud Honey, <laughs> you know, I was just, they, they were connected, so I wanted to hear them. But back then, to hear it, you had to buy it. There wasn't really any other way around that. So um, I know I had this tape and I had uh, Every Good Boy Deserves Fudge, which is my favorite Mud Honey release. Uh, but, Steve um, Turner's as well. I found that out in an interview with Sound and Vision magazine. Yeah, that has the best songs. Uh, it's it's not the best produced one, definitely, but uh, and it's a uh, it's not the guitars. It uh, sometimes it seems like they're not even using the super fuzz or the big muffin uh, on every good boy deserves fudge. It's not as distorted, not as heavy. Okay, but the song I like the songs better on that. The more melodic, uh, you know, the songs are just better melodies. I, I don't know if I bought those two at the same time, but I kind of think I probably did. And then I remember buying a piece of cake like the day it came out. I, I was living in the dorms in Madison, and right across the street there was this place called The Den. And it was basically like a 7-Eleven, but they also sold CDs and tapes. And like every Tuesday morning before class, you would walk in there and they would have all the new releases on display, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, always, I, I have a lot of memories of going to The Den... You know, when these new albums would come out, I still remember, kind of remember when Piece of Cake, Piece of Cake came out because I was pretty big into Mud Honey at that point. Uh, yeah, I sent you the picture of the ticket stub where yeah, I saw them yeah. in, uh, in 93. Uh, it was at Marquette University. That was on Sunday. And then on Tuesday in Madison, the Super Suckers were playing at a club called OK's Corral. And so I, that, I hadn't gone to a club show or anything yet. You know, I had been in Madison for what at that point, like uh, five months or six months or something. So we had this plan where we were going to try to f- talk to the super suckers at the Mud Honey show and get them to get us in to the show in Madison. <laughs> <laughs> so we were hanging around where at Marquette. I remember it was in like a building. the The place where they played was just a room in this big building. And we were kind of in the lobby area of this building, just hanging around. And here come three of the four guys from the Super Suckers, just all of them except Eddie, the singer. All three of the other guys are walking together. And me and Andrew just went straight up to them. And we told them, we want to come see you guys on Tuesday, but we're worried they're not going to let us in. And then uh, Ron Heathman, who just passed away last year, he's like, yeah, man, just come find us. We'll get you in, man. You know, <laughs> they were really cool. And so, so that Tuesday night, we walked over there, but it was hilarious because we had no idea how it worked. So we probably went over there at like nine o'clock or something where if anybody knows how it works, like at a club in a college town, they're not going to start playing until like one in the morning or something. Okay. It's like, 
you know, <laughs> that show's not starting very early. And so we walked over there, and we must have caught him just after sound check. But as we were walking to the club, Ron and Eddie come walking out of the club. And me and Andrew are like, hey, hey. And Ron kind of recognized us, but he's like, oh, God, they showed up, you know. <laughs> and uh, and then yeah. Eddie's like, you guys want to get high? Because <laughs> they were going to their van. And we were like, no, thanks. <laughs> ah, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still can't believe we turned them down. And the look on his face when we said no, <laughs> I still remember the look on his face. Let's back up a little bit because I uh, get into the history of this band. They kind of came out of the uh, the ashes of Green River, which we covered earlier in the list. Uh, Steve Turner and Mark Arm were, were in that band with... Uh, Stone and Jeff from Pearl Jam, who went on to do Mother Love Bone before going Mookie, Blaylock, Pearl Jam, all that good stuff. And so these guys, uh, I, I believe at the time of Green River breaking up, though, Steve Turner was no longer in Green River. Uh, and so my understanding is Mark contacted him, told him to drop out of college. He's going to start a new band called Mud Honey. And the rest is history. Ah, One of the things I, I think is amazing is that this is largely the same band today. Uh, just yeah. uh, Matt Lucan is the only one. Uh, he quit in like 2008. I have it somewhere here, but I, I watched the documentary. I think it's called "I'm Now: The Story of Mud Honey." They're pretty laid back, normal dudes for the most part. Uh, it, it's it's hard to believe a band that didn't have really any legitimate success financially. We'll, we'll put it that way. I think they definitely had their success in, in a different way, but we're able to keep that same core of guys together. And one thing they talk about in there is that it's because you see a lot of bands, you know, 10 years into their, their history, they show up for sound check and then everybody goes their separate ways where these guys basically are just still good friends. They all just hang out all the time. Yeah. They, you know, they were, it must be really weird for guys like that who were at ground zero (laughs) of grunge, but got hardly any of the, had hardly any of the success that everybody else had. Right. You know, and you know, and for anybody that is new to them or doesn't, you know, like uh, I've had a handful of guests on here that, God, we're good 10, 15 years younger than me. So I, there are people getting checking into grunge that maybe don't know this backstory. Um, but yeah, Mud Honey was in many, you know, in almost every book I read, you know, about that that scene, they're mentioned as basically kind of the I don't know the the, the Godfathers, the forefathers, the first grunge band. Um, I, I know there's there's different elements and things that go back a little bit prior to this with all the the Green River and Soundgarden was there first and and the Melvins are often given that same uh, you know uh, respect as well. But uh, so many people I know when I talk to Bruce Pavitt, he says he thinks he says Mud Honey represents grunge better than any other band. Like would would Sub Pop even have you know made it long enough to release Nirvana if it hadn't been for Mud Honey? Right. I, I don't know. I think so. it was this record that kind of did well in the UK and got him a pile of cash to kind of keep things moving. Yeah, and I know "Touch Me, I'm Sick" was a big. Oh, that's right. Big, yeah, I think that was the was that the first single Sub Pop released, or it was one of the very first things yeah, they put out. It was out. very early. I know it was, it was it was definitely the first thing Mud Honey released. Uh, yeah, backed with uh, "Sweet Young Thing Ain't Sweet No More." Mm-hmm. Got a lot of, you know, I mean, from like every good boy deserves fudge, super fuzz, big muff, sweet young thing, so sweet no more, touch me, I'm sick. There's a lot of kind of, I don't know, this is almost like uh, getting into some kind of that, that dark web porn, you know. It's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's get into the record, BJ. Uh, we're going to, like I said just a few minutes ago, we're going to go with the original six track release. Um, I'll kind of walk us down because it sounds like you're more familiar with the, the track order on the, the 1990 release with all the singles included. The original 1988 EP on Sub Pop Records opens up with Need. Give me love, list Baby, I haven't tried 
Well, it's pretty much a garage rock sounding song. Very similar to six some some stuff from the sixties. Yeah, uh, I like the I like the verse melody. Uh, it doesn't really have much of a chorus, much of a melody on the chorus though. Like we were talking about, when I think of Superfuzz Big Muff, um, I'm I my first thoughts are more those the songs from the singles that start off that release that I like a lot more than almost anything I, that's actually on yeah. Superfuzz Big Muff. Um, like you said, Touch Me I'm Sick and Sweet Young Thing, those are both great. And also, those are both almost like some kind of weird version of Spinal Tap. They're funny. You know, they yeah. have a, a very dark humor to them. And there's not as much of that humor on this on the songs on this EP as there were on uh, on that, that first single. So I wonder how people who really loved that single kind of reacted to the to the EP at the time. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, um, I I, I kind of echo what you're saying there. I like those two songs better than anything on this record. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. You know, this seems to be on this list, and we'll talk about the ranking at the end here, largely... I don't know. It could be a bit for debate fodder. I think it belongs in in the fifty. I'm not sure number five is where it should be put, but um, it, it's largely because of its influence and the importance of Mud Honey had in like you you brought up a great point there with basically keeping Sub Pop afloat until Nirvana, um, and just that that whole scene in general. The really, their 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 role is is really important. So, because when I listen to this record, it doesn't seem like well, this isn't really. Even all the research I did, when I hear that people talk about their their favorite Mud Honey record, this one isn't mentioned. So I, it, it's right. odd that this kind of came up, but it is their first kind of full release, so to speak. Yeah, no, I think if they were, if if a Mud Honey record was going to be on the list, it should have been Every Good Boy Deserves Fudge. Yeah, and that I was, saw that one come up the most. Yeah, and that was that was like their biggest seller too on hmm. Sub Pop. That was a more popular than this, if you look at like record sales. So I think and, uh, Facebook, or not Facebook, I think uh, Rolling Stone is trolling us. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like you said, they're picking this more for like the history of it mm-hmm. than for the quality of it, I think. Which I think is what some of that list is about, is about more like the place it holds in the history and the legend of grunge. Yeah. More than the actual and There's There's songs. a couple other examples of that, that, that Deep Six soundtrack. I couldn't find one person involved that had anything positive to say about it, um, as far as the the material on there. Um, but you know, again, it was just the first kind of official re- release of all these, you know, this whole scene. So, um, but to the song "Need," I will say this is like one of the, at least on this record, my my Mud Honey uh, uh, references are pretty narrow. I don't have a lot. I don't go deep on Mud Honey, but uh, Mark's vocals here are pretty clean. Um, uh, the drums definitely have a low budget quality to the recording on this more so than some of the other Jack and Dino recordings around this time. So I don't know, like it, it clearly was not recorded on a 24 track. So, I mean, the, the drums were mixed and bounced to uh, one, the stereo track is all my thoughts there. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts on the song need? Not really. It's, uh, it's not bad or anything, but yeah. it's not, it's not a great song. It doesn't have a great chorus, you know? Yeah, that, that that whole '60s garage thing, um, yeah, is is definitely that's kind of an overall from everything I'm familiar with with uh, Mud Honey. On it, I kind of get that. That it's almost like a cross between punk '60s garage rock and uh, like even a little bit of surf music. You know, I guessed it on uh, Brian Davis's uh, podcast, "Damn Good Movie Memories." We talked about that uh, movie, Suburbia. Have you ever seen that? Aren't there two movies called Suburbia? Yeah, this is the one from '84. 84- Three or eighty four, um, where it talks about like these punk kids that live in a house. No, I don't think so. Isn't there one with um, what's that guy's name? That Scientologist guy, um, <laughs> Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, um, oh, there's a more recent think. one. I never saw it though. Yeah, no, I don't think I've seen the one you're talking about. Anyway, the, the, these songs would fit perfect in the soundtrack on there. It's just uh, it, right. this whole record, I think, I think largely because I was so closely, we had recorded that a couple weeks ago, now I'm getting into this, I'm like, that really would be a good vibe for that shitty cult movie that I love. But uh, what about rating here, Brian? Do you got a special rating system for us today? I was thinking pierced eyebrows. Ooh, nice. <laughs> How many pierced eyebrows does Need get? 
maybe three. <laughs> is it wait? Is it out of five? Yeah, out of, well, it is out of five. But of course, I've given every guest leeway. You can go negative. You can go way high. Whatever you want to do. I remember I had a lot of trouble on the Green River one because if I compare it to other songs. I'm trying not to be to do that as okay. much on this. <laughs> like if I think of uh, my favorite songs and then then put Need against that, that would be a different story than just judging it. I guess in terms of this release or whatever, you know. Fair enough. But yeah, it's not. It's fine. <laughs> like like I say, uh, and I think you know when they put this on the list, like the majority of people who know this release know that. Um, the one with the singles on it, you know? Yeah. Because uh, anybody who only listened to these six songs had the vinyl. Um, because this was never released. If this was released on on cassette and CD, it was it was that version that has all the other songs on it, too. So No, um, I, I, but I'm trying to be a purist. And, uh, yeah, I know. So. so this being the lead-off track is just, like, really weird. Never even, you know, never, I never thought of this song as the first song you know, in any way mm-hmm. in the past, you know? Well, you know, when I when I started listening to this, I assumed the deluxe edition that I was listening to, because I had no idea, uh, would be the first six or seven songs, would be the first six or seven mm-hmm. songs. Right. And then, of course, once I start breaking on the track list, and I'm like, well, I've been listening to these, and they're not even on here. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, fucked yeah. everything up for me. But uh, uh, so what, you sticking with a three? Yeah, yeah. I, too, give this a solid three pierced eyebrows. Um, uh, the next uh, the next song up is uh, Chain That Door. on this song mm-hmm. um I, the best part of this song for me is the music <laughs> um it's 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 i i like i like the music a lot and the arrangement it's really cool and it's short it's better that it's shorter yeah than some of these other songs um but again it just doesn't have that much of a chorus just repeating repeating the words you know over and over which without a real very much of a melody just doesn't usually do it for me <laughs> on a chorus, you know. Um it's an interesting song and uh like I say the the arrangement is really cool like the and the way it's recorded and I guess the production. I like this tune. This is probably one of my favorite ones on here. Uh if I had to pick one, you know, but I'm I'm trying to also like listen to this, you know, from the eyes of maybe if I was a fan at that time or yeah. also maybe if I was in that band or what what it was like for them to create this at that age this is very early on in their career this is actually a very good band the 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 the, the performances from the drums to the guitars are are are, are well played they're they're, they're tight yeah. uh as, as loose as their overall sound is they're not sloppy or anything like that. Um, I, I mentioned this in the Green River episode, but to me, the standout issue with this group is Mark Arm singing. Um, mm-hmm. He's just not a singer. And the, I, I went and listened to a couple more recent tracks to see if there was much progression from from the band there, and there really isn't. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they, they sound a little older, you know what I mean? Um, and maybe a little more polished, but... Mark still is that kind of same kind of singer, and um, I think if they ever really wanted that kind of next level success or some kind of song with a hook, they were not going to write that song, and they weren't going to get it with him as a singer. But I, I think they've kind of made it clear that that was never really a driving force for them. That they they did what they did because for what they were doing, and that's somewhat admirable to kind of stick to your guns to that a certain extent. But I do kind of like to see artists that kind of progress and change. Even when I don't like what they change, I just I'm, I find it interesting to see where they want to go next. I didn't see a lot of this in my brief overrun of of, of Mud Honey. So if I miss stuff, I, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not a, a, a an expert on this band by any means. But this song to me again, it's just two tracks in a row where I, I'm just like I don't want to hear this guy sing. 
I got a feeling this is a lot more enjoyable to see these guys live than it is to listen to one of their recordings. Uh, but that said, I gave this three and a half. Are we sticking with the pierced eyebrows? Yeah. Pierced eyebrows. <laughs> this gets 3.5 pierced eyebrows, and that is one of my favorite songs on the record. What, do you, what did you rate it? Yeah, I have it at three pierced eyebrows. So. Uh. You're 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 a more prickly uh, raider than I am, if I recall. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're harder yeah. to please. Uh, that's what the ladies say. Uh, <laughs> I could I I, uh, I could definitely understand not liking his voice. I don't really I don't have a problem with it. I guess I think his voice is better when they're doing the the funny songs, or okay. at least the songs that I could see that. You know, the idea that Mudhoney was ever going to connect with the people that like Nirvana and Pearl Jam <laughs> that was just never going to happen. Even though. I think at the time everybody thought it would. It was a weird time. I recall that though. I remember you would. I would yeah. hear about this band, and then like I, the first exposure I had to them was the single soundtrack, and I'm like, well, this is okay, um, but that overblown track. But I don't know. Yeah, it was weird at the time. Everybody thought, well, Mudhoney are going to be huge too, because <laughs> everybody else is huge. <laughs> but but yeah, when you look back, it's like yeah, that was never. They were never going to connect. Yeah. On that level, for for multiple reasons, but I will say, thinking about it in terms of Green River, Mudhoney are way better than Green River. Oh, I'd agree um, with that. This the, the the music is much. I don't know. It's, it, even this record to me is light years ahead of what I, we reviewed for Green River. Green River were really derivative and not really. You know, Mudhoney has its own really distinct personality and vibe, and it's much more of a original kind of yeah. unique thing than Green River was. I think. It very fully realized. Mudhoney is very fully realized in terms of their whole their whole shtick and uh and and they seem very confident, you know, and like you're saying I mean, like you're saying, they're a great band. Green River, they were much younger and kinda, you know I think yeah, I think Mudhoney is just much more focused and you know, that sure. combination of guys, they really they were really onto something in terms of I could see why they were a real cult kind of thing that people were really into at the time. Like you, you mentioned Green River. Like, look at the the, the progression of of Jeff and Stone's career versus Mud Honey, um, and that's kind of what I'm talking yeah. about. Is that like you know, as as you get more polished, you you get new ideas, you, you kind of grow, and that's that's what typically artists want. It doesn't really seem like that's what these guys wanted though. Um, like I would compare um, their. Um, their career goals closer to the Melvins, uh, but mm-hmm. but the yeah. problem is their 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 core sound in the early you know especially out the gate is closer to those other bands that were able to kind of make that transition and become big. Uh, the Melvins always sounded like a band that nobody was going to like. You know, I mean, it just going to have a very niche audience. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, track three. Uh, I, I assume this is the end of side one on the EP, but uh, we're not going to worry about that today. Uh, Mud ride. Way too long. Good point. Um, <laughs> it's almost six minutes of this, and there's there's not much I like about Mud Ride <laughs> at all. Yeah, it's just long and boring. Not the kind of thing I'm into personally. Yeah, it did not click with me any e- either. They are slowing down a little bit, so they're trying to you know give us some color and shape to the record, I suppose. But I got to tell you, uh, BJ, I, I have heard. Just a myriad of local bands that sound just like this, like this right. song. You know, it's just like, and none of them have ever gone anywhere other than being maybe local stars. I, I was trying to think about any band that I've ever heard that had something similar to this kind of sound that did anything. And the best I could come up with, if you've heard any of the early White Zombie, kind of reminiscent of this, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I this, that reminds me. Uh, in when I was I was reading something, 
uh, yesterday or today, and I saw that one of Mudhoney's very first shows was opening for White Zombie. (laughs) 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 I saw that. That would have been a fun show. Uh, Man. Um, Yeah, this song is a snoozer. Uh, I I don't even know if I want to read it. What do you got? One one pierced eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, uh, your description of it brought me down. I had it at two. Maybe I'll slide it to a one. I'm going to let it keep its two. Both its eyebrows are pierced. Like the way you're saying it sounds like a, a lot of local bands you've heard. This is the kind of song that's a lot more fun to play than it is to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, they have, they have fun jamming this, you know, and they have fun playing it, but that's a whole different dynamic than having to sit there and listen to it <laughs> yeah even live so, i bet you people are probably getting a beer they're they're yeah, they're get, right. going up to get a fresh <laughs> fresh can of rainier um yeah. so there's a seattle reference for you um uh, for the fourth song on the album on the ep then is called no one has This one, I really like the lyrics. Yeah. Like he says, I've been so close to no way out. I don't lock the door no more. Stuff like like there's really there's really cool lines like that in the song. I actually wrote um, that line down, too. Now, this is the second yeah. second reference he had to not wanting the door locked. He got chained that door. <laughs> right. You know, I, I wonder if there's some like uh, repressed trauma or maybe not repressed. Who knows? Uh, uh, he, he was not allowed to escape certain situations as a child. I mean, what I have in my notes is this one is pretty repetitive and doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> it's uh, it's all right, but like I said before, if I was a person who had "Touch Me, I'm Sick," "Sweet Young Things" single, and then this came out, I think I would have been pretty disappointed. <laughs> Honestly, um, I think the "You Got It" single. I'm not sure if that came out before this too, but that song is way better. That song is great too. What song? Um, you got it. Oh, okay. That was another of their singles that's on the the compilation. Sure. And also, my favorite song from that compilation <laughs> would probably "Hate the Police," which is a cover. But that song is so great. <laughs> um, I'm not sure when that came out in reference to this record, but um, I have 2.75 pierced eyebrows. <laughs> I I had it at three, but I gave it an extra half point for the baseline. I think that's pretty killer on this. Um, so three and a half pierced eyebrows. All right, up next is a song called If I Think. This is another one that's just repetitive and kind of boring. Mm. Um, I would describe every song that way so far. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that is one of the problems. If I didn't listen to this as recently as yesterday, and I listened to it like three times just yesterday alone, I would have a hard time recalling some of these stuff, these things. I But it's just, he has a line in here, forgot how to breathe. I wrote down the joke, forgot how to sing in key. This is... Literally bad singing. This is, I, I, I guess you know Jack and Dino is early in his days as a producer, but this is when someone comes in and says, you know, maybe try this tomorrow. 
because uh, whatever, I don't know if, if look, there's a myriad of reasons why you're just not able to hit a note one day. These aren't hard notes to hit. He's just not that good of a singer. But he can sing in key. He just doesn't hear. This is just, it's painful at times. Yeah, that might have been part of the point. I'm not sure. You think? Okay. <laughs> well, that was, you know. Good lyrics on this song, by the way. I do. I, I think Mark is actually very early on showing, uh, uh, he's, he's got a pretty good craft as far as a lyricist. Yeah, the the lyrics are good, except some of the songs they have like two lines that are just repeated over and over. Yeah, you know, yeah. I I, I always thought that maybe you know Mark Arm's voice was kind of supposed to be abrasive it, to a certain extent. Um, he obviously wasn't going to ever be able to sing a pretty <laughs> song. <laughs> so well, but um, I mean, Kurt Cobain was that way too. I mean, but it's it's a different voice. You know, I would well. I when Kurt Cobain screams, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. When Mark Arm yeah. screams, it's alienating. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of my point. Is that yeah, like, uh, yeah, he just isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, C- Kurt Cobain had an insane voice. That I mean, when he screamed, it sounded great. <laughs> so Mark Arm, yeah, when he screams, it's almost funny. I, I think I laugh. I, th- you know, <laughs> I like a touch me. I'm sick. It's almost like. He's he's being funny when he's screaming on purpose. You know, I think there's a. I think the the the, the, the you know we keep going back to those songs. Let's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we I actually have time set aside just for them. Uh, but uh, uh, I get the the, the callback reference anyway. Let's uh, let's uh, we're almost at the end of this, and we can get into the, the, probably what I think are the more interesting tunes. Um, I I I would give this maybe a three, probably largely because of. Mark's lyrics, to be honest with you, I, I just I really enjoyed. I, I love that line. Just the you know, it's the chorus, whatever you want to call it. If I think I'm thinking, I think of you. I thought that was, you know, it's kind of a neat way to say something like that. It's like basically his mind just shuts down, but when it's working, he's just thinking about this person. You know. Yeah, it's funny to say if I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave this two pierced eyebrows. It's too, <laughs> too boring, for me. Well, I, I think it's clear for both of us, uh, even though you're a fan of Mudhoney, um, mercifully, the record ends now with uh, a song called In and Out of Grace. Yeah, this is by far my favorite song on the album. Even though it's too long, I would edit it down <laughs> and make it like a three-minute song. Yeah. But this song has a series of great riffs, like killer riffs. The playing, uh, the playing on this is always great, and uh, but the riffs in this song are awesome. And I love the the double entendre of the in and out of grace. Mm, and yeah, I and always enjoy some. <laughs> I always enjoy some blasphemy, so there's some nice blasphemy in this song. It feels yeah. like, and uh, and there's some great lines. I think one time he says, "Save me, Lord, fuck the race." <laughs> so he's like, "Save me, but fuck everyone else." Um, <laughs> oh God, how I love to hate. Yeah, th- th- this uh, this is a great song. This is the song. This is the song that's the closest to the quality of you know the other songs we were talking about sure, uh, okay. that's on here. I think, except I'm not really a fan of the minute long kind of breakdown well, in the no, middle of it. Well, no, listening to that, that is very reminiscent, and this is no joke, of the Peter Chris drum solo on Alive.
that it it first of all it has a little bit of that flange effect going and i'm like well that that that's kind of weird and then he actually like hits a little couple like even does that little dun dun Dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, I think there's no way that's a coincidence. I think, yeah, I yeah. think uh, it, it, it's not spot on. Maybe I'll drop a little bit of it in here to, to make my point, but uh, <laughs> it's it's there. Uh, but yeah, uh, what do you got for a rating on it then? Uh, four pierced eyebrows. Oh, nice. Uh, this peaks at three point five pierced eyebrows with me, so I had two tracks at three point five, I believe. There were three, so half the record got a three point five. The rest was lower, but. Um. All right. Now, as as we, uh, we keep going back to, there is the expanded edition, which you, you know, the the point you made was that that really was the version that most people that heard this record heard. Um, right. And it has a much different track listing. For one, it opens up with the song "Touch Me, I'm Sick." I think that's got to be the closest thing they have to a hit, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I I think that was like an underground college radio kind of hit kind of thing at the time. Uh, I uh, I like the song, and to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a really fun song. It's a really cool, it's kind of a novelty kind of feel song to me. I mean, that's, you know, that first single, because Sweet Young Thing, It's Sweet No More is also a very, is funny, you know, on purpose, too. It's very, and it's very kind of a, a dark kind of humor, but you know, there you don't really get that on the EP except for In and Out of Grace. That's really the only time on the EP that you, I think, you get the same kind of vibe as that first single, where there's a lot of humor and it's uh, very quirky. And um, but I think a, a lot of the enjoyment you get from Touch Me I'm Sick and Sweet Young Thing is that they're funny, <laughs> you know. And yeah, and like the. The sequencing of the the six songs on on the EP aren't even in the same order, and yeah. they're at the end. Um, but so it's kind of a weird release. But I don't, you know, we're talking about a weird record label at a weird time too. So, uh, but yeah, "Sweet Young Thing" ain't sweet no more. Is I mean, those two songs are, might be my two favorite Mudhoney songs. Yeah, they I'm are. Limited. They are great. And also, you got to keep up, keep it out of my face, which was another single. That song is great too. I think, like I say, "In and Out of Grace" definitely measures up to those songs, but the rest of it doesn't. Yeah, is is lacking kind of the the distinct personality and quirkiness of of Mudhoney. I think. Um, Hate the police. I don't know if you've ever heard the original. That's a great song by the Dicks, who are Austin. We're an Austin punk band, but I I like the Mudhoney version more. Yeah. That's one of those cover songs that's even better than the original. Uh that that is great. That's my favorite song on the whole the whole thing is Hate the Police. Um And that, I mean lyrically that's right in line with like things that like NWA were rapping about. I mean uh yeah. kind of early on, you know, <laughs> talking about police brutality and stuff of that nature. And well, you know, it's one of those things where the Mud Honey is the first version of the song I heard. Yeah. And I loved it, so it's going to be hard for me not for that not to be my favorite version i guess but it is a really great version of the song looking at the track list though it it the, the what makes flipping the sides make sense is it makes mud ride the last song yeah and that that does make sense to be the last song that might just be the whole reason they did that was just to put that at the end could be um yeah, and then look, you know, again, this is kind of a fledgling label. Maybe they're they're still t- working out, learning how to sequence a record, you know. Because um, I, I I I agree with your sentiment that Need was kind of a weird opener for the record. Yeah. So anyway. Well, yeah. I I mean, In and Out of Grace would have made more sense as like the opening song. As I as I want to do, I I always give uh, my my esteemed guests the the final thoughts. So I'll, I'll get mine out of the way. I, I get why Mud Honey is important to the story of grunge. Uh, I do have a lot of respect, probably more respect for him now after kind of researching this record than than I did going in, just because uh, the, you know 
just really delving into their story a little bit, how they they really have hung together. I mean, to lose only one member and and only as recently as two thousand eight, and still kind of be an active band that goes out and does shows and and releases new music, uh, is is really I don't know. To me, that that is cool. I mean, that these guys still hang in there and still enjoy what they're doing. And, and still go out and, and, and do it for whatever reason and for whatever audience. I also like some of the interviews I've seen with Mark from the recent years, just the stark honesty that he has about his band and and their popularity and, and doesn't seem to really be affected by it. You know what I mean? I, I wonder if, like, during the heyday of grunge, like when everything was blowing up and they weren't, if he felt that way. I wasn't able to find any interviews at that time that might have shown some snarkiness. You know what I mean? Um, but... Uh, for the most part, they, they've, they've, they've kind of hung tight. Um, as a record, I don't know that I'll ever listen to this again. Uh, Bummer. I, the, the, my biggest takeaway was, you know, getting in a little more familiar with the song Touch Me, I'm Sick. That's something that'll, that'll probably, you know, be on a playlist for me somewhere at some point. I'll, I'll go back to that for, for a myriad of different reasons, but this album as a whole doesn't do much for me. I, I'm probably going to have to check out uh, Every Good Boy Does Fudge just because that one just kept coming up in everything I did as the record uh, that represent Mudhoney the best from band members to, uh, uh, you know, reviewers, writers for magazines, things of that nature, fans, all that good stuff. Uh, so just for the sake of finding out more, I, I'm going to dig into that. But I, I'm guessing Mud Honey just isn't for me. Uh, I, like I said, I, 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 I get what they're trying to do. It's just not my cup of tea. With that said, I do not think it belongs at number five remotely. Uh, I, I think... I don't even know if it belongs in the top 25. It, it belongs in the top 50, I suppose. But again, maybe swap it out for every good boy does does fudge and I slide it up here a little bit higher. But I slide this one all the way back to 19 from number five on my personal list. These kind of lists annoy me for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But obviously when they're making this list, they have to put Mud Honey on it. Right. Whether even if they don't even even if whoever's making the list doesn't think I don't know how they put this list together. Was it like a bunch of different writers voted or something like that? Uh, yeah, I think I think, I they, think it's like that because I think it's what they do yeah. with all their lists, you know. Right. So they're gonna put Mud Honey on there just because they have to. <laughs> yeah. For one thing, if, even if they don't think it's deserves to be on there in terms of quality, um, so they're so you know if they're gonna have a grunge list, they're gonna have something by Mud Honey on there. Absolutely. Um, and uh, that's not really, you know. So, so they're already they're already saying, well, these aren't really the best. There, this is the list of you know the stuff also that we're required to include <laughs> for whatever reason. Right. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I agree that with you know whoever else you're referencing that every good boy deserves fudges, the best quality Mudhoney album in terms of songs and everything. But also, it's a uh, like I was saying, it's not as heavy. It doesn't have a lot of the grunge. <laughs> what ma- what makes it what makes them like one of the godfathers of grunge, which is the the super fuzz and the big muff and the heaviness and that kind of stuff. A lot of that's not on every good boy deserves fudge. So I can understand why if they're talking specifically about grunge and not just about what's the best mud honey. If you listen to Touch Me, I'm Sick, you can hear how they influence Kurt Cobain. You yeah. know, in that song yep. specifically. They were definitely very influential on. I'd almost put that someone. single by itself on this list. I, I think it, yeah, just, sure. it had a huge impact. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense for sure. I, I've, it's been a long time since I listened to Mudhoney, and I know I said the same thing on the Green River episode about how it's funny to go back to stuff you listen to when when your breadth of knowledge of music was a lot more limited, right? And you know. So this, but I this is not something I go back to very often. But there was a time where I did listen to Mud Honey a lot, because you know going back when I hear these songs, I I have heard these songs a lot in my life because they're they are still very familiar to me. So um, like you were saying, you couldn't remember them, but when I just look at the titles, I remember these songs immediately. Uh, so I did. They were drilled into my brain at some point. Cool. This EP, these six songs shouldn't be on this list and definitely should not be anywhere near that that high <laughs> on the list. It's all just about the history of it and where Mudhoney fit into that. Those two bands, Green River and Mudhoney, are just that to that scene that turned into grunge. They're just 
at the very beginning and they're they're very influential and important to the whole thing and to the whole sub pop world too so obviously and yeah so when it was in the paper oh Madoni signed with reprise i'm sure most people are like oh they're gonna be huge <laughs> you know because it just seemed like anything that came out of that everybody was going to be able to ride Kurt Cobain's coattails to uh, you know money and fame that's how it seemed for a moment there there definitely was a time where everybody thought Mudhoney were going to be the next big thing I think and that's really funny to look back on and be like really <laughs> people thought that was going to it doesn't seem like it would ever have been possible but it definitely they were spin magazine darlings man yeah like I'm sure I expected Piece of Cake to come out and be a huge hit <laughs> at the time. <laughs> well, do you remember where you ranked this? I have it in front of me if you don't. No, I don't. You had it at number 12. Really? Yeah. I probably put it too high. <laughs> <laughs> I probably didn't even listen to it at the time. Uh, to, you know. Well, what's number 13? <laughs> number 13? Okay, so this is what you got. I'll, I'll go from 13 down. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots Core, Green River, Dry as a Bone, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, Stone Temple Pilots Purple, Soundgarden Super Unknown, L7 Bricks Are Heavy, Soundgarden Ultra Mega OK, then Hole, Live Through This, uh, Deep Six, Jerry Cantrell, uh, the two Melvins records, and you uh, at the bottom of the list is Mad Season Above. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like the Stone Temple Pilots records more than these six songs. <laughs> you know, that I've, and I so put those... So should we just drop this down to 16? <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, it's always fun talking to you, BJ. I, I'm uh, happy that we've been able to, I don't know, form a friendship, basically, starting at Rock and Pod 1 and just, you know, kind of maintaining it through social media and, and then our annual trek to, to Nashville, which maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see you out there this summer, too. Um, but as always, thanks again for coming back on the show. You did a great job. I really appreciate your insight. Whatever. All right. Never mind. Start a Slade podcast. <laughs> yeah. BJ and Baco, welcome to, I don't know, what's, what would be a good one? Come on, feel the Slade. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.